Welcome to the Stony Plain Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community that is about discovering fullness of life for everyone by practicing the way of Jesus together. God, we thank you that you are not distant, that you are not uninvolved, that you're not off somewhere in a cold, dark room away from us, but instead you are here with us that there's nowhere we can go to flee from your presence. Instead, all life is acted out in your presence. And so we thank you that you're good and that you're here. We thank you for the streams of living water that you are, are pouring into us, that you are filling us up from the ground with. We thank you um, for the ways that you have been uh, using the prophetic, that you've been uh, using uh, both words and visions to proclaim your heart for our church and what you long to do. And Jesus, we want more of that. We want more of what you have for us. And so whatever ways you want to lead us, we want to go that way. Just like uh, the Israelites wandered through the desert following the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire, we want to wander through wherever you're going to take us. And we'll say, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you and we're going to go wherever you go. And so we thank you that you are trustworthy and true, that we can... can trust that wherever you're going is good and that you have good for us. Thank you for in the midst of all the storms of uh, the last few years, you've been riding our ship. You've been keeping us afloat even when it feels like we're drowning. You've, you've been there uh, holding us up. Thank you that you are good. Thank you uh, the, for the truth that you say that if We want more just to come to you. And so we say we want more and we want to come to you. You say, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And so we come to you and we say we're thirsty. We want more of you. You say, whoever believes in me, as scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from within them. This is the spirit. And we want the rivers of living water of the spirit to flow from us communally, Jesus that as uh, our church gathers and scatters, that wherever we go, your spirit is flowing from us. We, we long to see you transform uh, our area uh, by the fullness of life that you promise. We believe you have fullness of life for everyone, and so we pray, would you come and would you bring your fullness of life? And would you continue to bless us with your love? So Stony Plain Alliance Church, I pray this over you. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the full measure of all the fullness of God. And so, God, would you fill us to the full measure of your power, of your fullness? Would it be like an ocean that's higher and wider and farther and deeper than we can ever imagine? And so you, Jesus, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to your power that's at work within us, and we, we trust that you are at work within us, to you be glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for joining us in prayer.
Mark chapter 4, verse 30 to 34. Again he said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them, as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. The word of the Lord. So Jesus does something new here. He tells a story about seeds. I'm just joking. That's what Jesus did last week too, right? Jesus has seeds as a pretty common analogy for what his kingdom is like. And last week, Ben did such a great job of explaining to us about God's kingdom and how God's kingdom is like seeds that grow and uh, we're out of control on how they grow. And this morning, I've got a similar uh, parable for you. And this is uh, an interesting one because unlike the parable of the sower, Jesus starts this one off by saying, what is the kingdom of God like? And so in this story, we can assume this story is about the kingdom of God. And so for those of you who need a, a catch up, the kingdom of God is anywhere where God is king. It's what we pray when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is things happening as they were intended to. And it was something that Israel had been looking for for years. Back in the exile, as they were removed from the land, as their kingdom had crumbled, as they'd been pulled apart, they looked forward for this day when God was going to send up a new shoot out of the stump of Jesse. A new king that would rise up and grow and be this giant cedar. And here, this kingdom would rise and change the world. And so they'd been looking forward to this kingdom, and it was Jesus' primary message was, the kingdom of heaven is near. And so Jesus says, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? Now, if you're one of Jesus' first hearers, you're used to kingdoms. You're used to kings. You're used to Caesars. You're used to Rome. You're used to power coming into your community with its army, with its swords, with its chariots, and marching in and crushing you. You're used to power. You never see Caesar. He's way back in Rome, but he sent his battalion with their flags uh, to proclaim who they are. You're used to the Caesar coming in and telling you, I'm in control. I rule you. Deal with it. And if you don't like it, I've got a cross that you can hang upon. This is the ways of the kingdoms of Jesus' day. And so Jesus says, what will my kingdom be like? Which is a really interesting question. What will Jesus' kingdom be like? What kind of king is Jesus going to be? We know some of his earliest disciples, even some who were part of the 12. One uh, is mentioned explicitly as a zealot. His name is Simon. He's expecting Jesus to come with a sword, do some sort of giant Braveheart speech, get everybody all worked up, get your faces painted, and run out and crush and destroy the Romans. This is what he wants. And this is what Israel was really looking for, was a king who would come and overthrow the government. 
so that Israel would be in power again. And so Jesus tells what I think is a deeply disorienting parable. He says, the kingdom is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. And so the first thing I think Jesus is telling about the kingdom is that it comes in the insignificant and the ordinary. We read, um, and this New Testament scholar tells us that uh, it takes 725 to 760 seeds from black mustard to make a gram. It's pretty small, right? Uh, We've got a picture of them here. There's some mustard seeds. We can see them because there's a whole lot of them. If you imagine one seed by itself isn't that much. Now, mustard seeds actually aren't the smallest of all seeds on earth. There's certainly one of them. It's a hyperbole that that, uh, rabbis would use to talk about something so incredibly and ridiculously small. And so Jesus is saying, the kingdom is so incredibly and so ridiculously small. It's so small, it's like a mustard seed. The interesting thing about that is a mustard seed is ridiculously insignificant, isn't it? For all we know, there could be tons of mustard seeds in this room. Maybe I got really bored yesterday and went to the superstore and got a bunch of mustard seeds and kind of scattered them all around this room. But we don't know if they're here, right? The stage could literally be covered in millions of mustard seeds. And besides the light crunching sound we might get, we'd never know. A mustard seed is really small. A mustard seed is really insignificant. And Jesus starts his parable about what the kingdom of heaven is by saying it's small and insignificant. It's easy to miss. There's something beautiful about the kingdom. It doesn't come in the pomp and circumstance of Rome. It doesn't come with armies. It doesn't come with trumpets. It doesn't come blaring and demanding you to see its presence. Instead, the kingdom comes in small and seemingly mundane, mundane ways. Let's think about Christmas for a second. We've just ventured out of that season. The Christmas story is not about a king who's born in a palace in Jerusalem where everybody's celebrating, where the whole world is spread around with this good news. Instead, the story of Christmas is about a king who's actually a baby, who's born in an animal feeding trough, in a cave, or in some sort of other way that animals were kept in that day, not in Jerusalem, but in this small town outside of the city. His first hearers weren't uh, the important, the magistrates and the princes. The first people to come and see him were weird shepherds that no one liked. Jesus' birth is a mundane and insignificant moment. And yet, this is how Jesus comes. And this is how the world is transformed. And so, I guess my question is, what, is, what if the kingdom is easy to miss? What if this is the first thing Jesus is telling about the, in this parable, is that his kingdom is easy to miss? 
Now, we often think that if God's at work, it's going to be something obvious. That if God's at work, it's going to, you know, shock us and strike us, and we'll be like, oh, of course God was doing something here. How could I not have noticed it? But the truth is, God often just works in so many small and unrecognizable until after the fact ways. There's not much in our world that's as insignificant as a seed growing into a plant. And yet Jesus says that's what his kingdom's like. In the same way, we tend to be like Elijah on that mountain. I don't know if you guys remember that story, but in the story, Elijah's in a hard place and he wants to hear from God. And first there's like this giant windstorm that comes by. He's like, oh, but God's not in this. And then there's, you know, um, fire, and there's all these noise, all these things that had been ways God had worked before. And he says God's not in these things. But then there's this small whisper. The word's actually the sound of silence. God really likes Simon and Garfunkel. You're welcome. But it's in the midst of that silence that God speaks. Now, we often think about the important and the loud for when God comes. But again, what if Jesus comes in just the small and insignificant? What if the kingdom's popping up all around us all the time in so many different ways, and yet we're too busy walking and paying attention to our cell phones or whatever it is, or our busy schedule, or getting kids from hockey to soccer to parkour, or whatever it is we find ourselves doing? that we walk right by the ways the kingdom is at work? What if God is inviting us to to tend to the seed of his kingdom in our neighborhood? And we're so busy doing other things or so preoccupied or so distracted, we don't even notice it. And so I think the first invitation of this parable is that we ask Jesus to open our eyes to his kingdom. That we ask him to open our eyes to the insignificant and mundane ways that he might be working. And secondly, the thing we learn from this parable is the kingdom grows exponentially. Now, I don't want you to hear this the wrong word. I I struggled with the word because exponentially feels like this incredible, amazing, you know, everybody's going to notice it, but the other word I had was infectious and it didn't feel right. I know. COVID really ruins a lot of things, including sermon analogies. We read this, when it's planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants. So again, the image Jesus uses tells us a lot. And so there's a mustard seed that grows into a shrub. So let's learn a bit more about mustard. So um, this is a quote from New Testament scholar Craig S. Keener. Around the Sea of Galilee, a mustard plant can reach the height of 10 feet and sometimes reach 15 feet, although its usual height is about 4 feet. So like Craig is like feeling the tension of Jesus says this is a large plant. So like what are these random, like the the outliers? I'm going to point to these guys. Okay, this one is 10 feet. This one's 15 feet. Now compare this to like an apple tree. Let alone the cedars of Lebanon. It's still a small little shrub, isn't it? Let's be honest. Mustard isn't impressive even at its biggest. 15 feet isn't this incredible plant. But when you compare 
a speck that's so small that I can't even see it there to a 10-foot plant or a four-foot plant even. That's pretty incredible, right? Packed into a mustard seed is a latent power to grow a four-foot plant. Again, mundane and insignificant, but that's exponential growth. Now, the second thing about mustard, and if any of you uh, live near a mustard field, you'll know this. Uh, I lived near a canola field before, so I know this, and our church building, of course, is near a canola field, so we all saw this all summer long. Canola and mustard function somewhat similarly. Similar, similar, wow, that was a hard word today. Similarly, um, we'll just walk past that one. Gosh. <laughs> Uh, the other thing is that mustard is a weed. It's still classified as a weed. Thanks, Trish, for making fun of me. That was good. I appreciate having you here now. <laughs> mustard seeds grow mustard plants, and mustard plants grow more mustard seeds, and more mustard seeds grow more mustard plants, and mustard just spreads everywhere. That's where the infectious species came from. Mustard is like an invasive species. You don't intend to have mustard there, but it just shows up anyways. It's like the canola over there. It'll just appear. That's what mustard does. To the point that um, at the time of Jesus, Jewish law forbid the planting of mustard in a garden. Because it would just overtake that whole garden altogether. And so Jesus equates the kingdom as a weed. Now last week, of course, weeds were bad. This week, weed is good. Weeds, not weed. <laughs> weeds are a powerful force that overtake wherever they find themselves. You never intend to grow weeds, but they'll just find themselves here. Everybody who's gardened or had a, gra or had a grass to mow or an acreage knows that weeds are just going to be everywhere. And outside of some killer chemicals, you're helpless to stop them. Think of all the dandelions that appear around us in spring. And Jesus says this is what his kingdom's like. It's not this powerful force that's going to come and crush. It's not like an army that comes and stomps over everything. Instead, it's a little seed that drops in the ground, grows a plant that drops multiple seeds in the ground, that grows, that drops more, even more. And eventually, without realizing it, what do you have? You have a field full of mustard. And so Jesus is talking about how his kingdom is going to grow at an uncontrollable rate. That even though it seems really small, even though it seems like how could anything happen out of this, even though it ends up, um, spoiler alert for Easter, with Jesus dying, his whole message, which started in, uh, in Bethlehem, which goes into Galilee, which... Uh, has things, places like Nazareth, where how could anything good come from Nazareth, which has 12 uneducated disciples, which ends up with Jesus being crucified. This series of small things that how could anything big ever happen to them. Next has a Jesus who rises from the grave. And then a Jesus who ascends to heaven. A Jesus who sends the Spirit. And then if we want to continue, eventually the gospel spreads all the way so that we here in Stony Plain, on the other side of the earth, know about this Jesus 2,000 years later. So it started small, 
and then it spread, and it spread, and it spread, and we all have multiple people in our lives who we can point to who spread the gospel to us, who spread the kingdom to us, who have loved us into the kingdom. But then it continues, because the kingdom is for all people. We read this in Mark 4.32, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Now, um, Let's go back to that picture once. Yeah, so, I mean, look at this giant branch here. It's really big. That bird can perch on it, though. Jesus is using such an interesting story here. Now, we can miss the birds perching in the shades, intra- like, significance here. But it's actually an allusion to Old Testament prophecy, both in Daniel and Ezekiel. And I'm going to read through a couple of Ezekiel ones here. So the first one is Ezekiel 17, 22 to 24. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I'll take a shoot from the very top of a cedar and I will plant it. I'll break off a tender sprig from its topmost shoots and plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain heights of Israel, I will plant it. It will produce branches and bear fruit and become a splendid cedar. Birds of every kind will nest in it, and they will find shelter in the shade of its branches. All the trees of the forest will know that I, the Lord, bring down the tall tree and make the low tree grow tall. And I will dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. And then this uh, in Ezekiel 31, 3 to 6. Consider Assyria, once a cedar in Lebanon with beautiful branches overshadowing the forest. All the birds of the sky nested in his boughs, and all the animals of the wild gave birth under his branches, and all the great nations lived in its shade. Now Daniel also has a prophecy like these. And they talk about these giant cedars with branches so big that the birds find rest in their shade. And the birds here is an allusion to the nations. That when God creates the kingdom, and when they were thinking about it, they were thinking of this giant cedar this powerful thing, this renewed Davidic kingdom, that all the nations would flock in its shade. That what was prophesied back uh, to Abraham, that I will bless you and you'll be a blessing and through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Through God's people, all the world will be blessed. This is what it's talking about. So Jesus says, my kingdom is like a shrub, not a cedar, but a shrub, and it's going to house the birds of the air. All the nations will be blessed through me. Now, I talked about how this was a disorienting parable at the start of the, the, the message. Now, it's disorienting because they were hoping for a cedar. It was disorienting um, because he's using a weed, which was legal at the time. Not that kind of weed, though. But then the third thing is this. Israel hoped that the kingdom would come for their own sake. Israel hoped that the kingdom would come for their blessing, for their greatness, for their fame. And Jesus says, no, the kingdom is going to come. But the kingdom is going to be for all people. Every race, every tribe, every nation. My kingdom is for all people. And so we can wonder about who's in and who's out but that's the wrong conversation. Instead, the conversation of who needs rest? Who needs shade? Who needs a place to perch? Who needs blessing? Who needs the love of God? If so, 
God's going to pop his kingdom up there. And what if he's inviting you to be a part of that? Now, we can be so busy um, thinking in the wrong ways, like Ben alluded to last week with success. We can think about big things. We can think about cedars like uh, the ancient Israelites, and we can miss out on the mustard. We can think that God's going to come with the cedar, and then we'll get confused when we see impressive and incredible things. And we're going to assume God is there. And let's be honest, we know stories of the last 50 years and the rise of the mega church movement and uh, the, the tying of politics and faith, especially in America, where the big and impressive got assumed to be the way that God was working. But then time could tell that perhaps God worked in spite of what was going on. And that wasn't fully his movement. And so we don't want to get confused and think that the big and impressive is automatically what God's doing. Because what the story tells us is that God starts with the small. God starts with the insignificant. God starts with the mundane. And so we might be thinking, oh, God's doing that huge thing, and God's actually over here chilling out with mustard. He's actually doing the small thing. And because we're so busy looking to the big, and we do this, right, in our own personal lives, like, oh, this post on Instagram got so many likes, that must mean I'm doing something good. Or this person's got so much money in their bank, that must mean they're being blessed, or this and that. But the truth of the matter is, small is actually a way that God works. And so let's not get confused there. And so we can be busy looking for all the big that we miss out on the beauty of where God's popping his kingdom up around us. And so let's not be like our world obsessed with the bigger and the better. But instead, let's be obsessed with faithfulness to our God. Let's be obsessed with following after him, looking for him. Because what if the kingdom, again, is popping up and we're missing it? Right? Let's think back to all the small ways that the kingdom has popped up. One of the ways that I point to the most was the ways that I saw you, church, rise up at the front of COVID. I don't know if you remember, that was a long time ago, but our Signs of Hope campaign that we did where we talked about the small little things that we can do to be a blessing. And I saw you guys writing encouraging signs on your streets. I saw chalk all over sidewalks. I saw beauty and goodness and blessing in repeated areas. You were doing kingdom work in those days, and it probably felt really small. You know, I wrote hope on my window. What good is that going to do? But what if that word was a word somebody needed to hear that day? Or you drop baking off, and besides we all growing our own COVID-19 during that season, it's like the freshman 15, just more. We all really leaned into blessing one another in those days. We leaned into helping one another. And so how do we continue to sow little seeds? How do we continue to sow seeds of generosity? I mean, I know one of the ways I had seeds of generosity sown into my life was I mean, we didn't even have kids yet. I don't think Sam when this happened. And we were out boxing day shopping because it was like one of the few days where we could, you know, extravagantly buy more than a few clothes as newlyweds. And we had like five pieces of clothing between us. And as we went to pay, this lady who'd been talking to us in the, the line up the whole way um, ended up having paid for our stuff ahead of time. 
And that was just a way that all of a sudden we realized, okay, we can be free with our stuff. We can be free with our money because we saw how much of a blessing that was in our lives. Now for her, I think it was like 30 bucks. But for us, it was huge. Little things like a week of prayer where we set aside this time to pray, where we set aside a few days, might not feel like much. But these are days of planting seeds of the kingdom. And we'll see what kind of shrubs God grows out of them. Kingdom actions often feel small. Kingdom actions often feel insignificant. But that doesn't mean they're not worthy. In Zechariah 4.10 we read these. This, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand, that's about the rebuilding of the temple, and Zerubbabel was really, really upset about the small beginnings. Going, why isn't this happening quicker? Anybody who's done renovations in their house knows that feeling. Why, why is this going so slowly? But God says, do not despise the small beginnings. And it's easy to despise the small days, isn't it? It's easy to wonder why things aren't going quicker, why things aren't happening faster, why whatever. But in the small days are the days of the kingdom. And so let's not wait for the big days. Let's be fully on board with the small Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. To discover more about Stony Plain Alliance Church and its ministries, visit our website at spaconline.com. Grace and peace.